Welcome to Stuff We Love Podcast. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of the Stuff We Love Podcast. For this episode, Scott and I will be discussing the state of Star Wars, specifically in the lens of what Disney has done with it, the good, the bad, the ugly, the great, the horrible. And as always, we're going to be concluding with our very popular Stuff We Love segment. But to start off, let's meet the hosts. I'm Jack. And I'm Scott. And you're listening to the Stuff We Love podcast. Feels good to do that in a while. <laughs> that felt good. That felt right. <laughs> uh, so Scott and I wanted to come on today and talk about, in the wake of The Mandalorian and of many new Star Wars announcements that have come from Disney, really take a pause and evaluate how we feel about what Disney has done with Star Wars in the past and what their plans are for the future. So Scott, why don't you start? Sure. So... In pre- preparation of this episode, Jack and I were looking at when Disney acquired Lucasfilm. And I think we saw that was 2012, right, Jack? Was that when the acquisition? Yep. So when that was announced, I vividly remember that day. You don't remember many days that were now about nine years ago. But I remember hearing that news break and reading about it online. And I couldn't believe it because I knew from that moment on, everything that we love in terms of pop culture and entertainment will change. It's one of those groundbreaking moments. So right off the bat, we thought, well, what is this going to mean for the theme parks? And here we are now, years later, we have Galaxy's Edge in both Disney World and Disneyland. Uh, What does it mean for the films? Well, the films, we now have, well, we'll get into this more, but several movies have been released, overseen by Disney, and they've taken the Star Wars saga, the Skywalker saga, in interesting ways. And you have a couple of spinoff films that have come out as well. Uh, TV series, when this news broke in 2012, none of us would have even heard of Disney Plus, let alone the the Mandalorian. So there's been so many changes that were unpredictable. And even in just nine years, you see the impact of the Disney acquisition playing a role in the Star Wars universe. It's pretty remarkable. Absolutely, Scott. I think you cannot be understated how much of an impact Disney's had on Star Wars, good and bad. I think there's so much to be excited for over the next coming years with what content's going to be putting out. Um, I think to start, I'll just talk a little bit about what I've kind of thought of what Disney's done with Star Wars in the past. Mm-hmm. I think there's no understating how many people were frustrated with the new saga. That being said, some people loved the new saga. And I think there's a lot of good and some improvements that could have been done with it. But whatever it is, it's it's the past. I think some of the biggest frustrations arise from, at the time, you know, Kathleen Kennedy, very high up at Disney, very in charge of Lucasfilms now, saying that we have a plan for the this, this sequel uh, trilogy, what it's going to be. And now we know after the fact from the actors and the actresses that there was a lot of misdirection about what the plot was, which was a huge frustration to the fans as to, you know, who is Ray? Is she this person? Is she that person? Is she Palpatine's son? Is she Palpatine's granddaughter? Whatever it might be. So I think that's where the biggest frustrations arise. But you can't deny that now Disney and Lucasfilms are working very hard to bring fans back in. And I think we saw it primarily with The Mandalorian, maybe one of the most uh, one of maybe one of the best receptions I've ever seen to a TV show, Star Wars or not Star Wars, maybe other than Game of Thrones. I've only seen like a bigger impact where people loved it as much. But Mandalorian has been pretty much universally lo- universally loved a couple critiques there, but here and there. But you can't avoid that. Baby Yoda has been a huge success. And obviously, the Mandalorian's character himself has been huge. Now we know Baby Grogu. Grogu. I don't want to disrespect <laughs> right. him. Right. Call the baby but, by its name, Jack. <laughs> exactly. But it's been Mandalorian's been really amazing. And so 
Scott, here's what, here's why I have a question for you before we move further. I've seen two trains of thoughts in this. Obviously, Mandalorian people love. We saw Luke at the end of Mandalorian. I guess we'll, we'll phrase in, we'll edit that out for a second and say, spoiler warning, before you go any further, there will be spoilers on pretty much all of Disney content. In the Mandalorian, we saw Luke at the end of the season, which people loved. There's two trains of thought from what I've seen. Train of thought A, which is that Dave Filoni, who also did Clone Wars, the cartoon show that's now on Disney+, Plus, which I highly recommend, uh, and also John Favreau are trying to fix what's been done by undoing what's been done in the sequel trilogy. And some fans are really excited for that, saying that they're going to completely redo it. They're just going to pretend it never happened and they're going to run with a new thing. Then there's a train of thought that's frankly a little bit more realistic, which is that, no, they're just going to help explain what happened in the sequel trilogy and make it in a more appealing way to fans and kind of fill in the plot holes where they might have arisen. Scott, A, what do you think is happening? And B, what would you like to happen? Well, it's interesting, Jack, because very often when people analyze these pop culture things with Star Wars and Marvel and whatever it may be, there often are two trains of thought. One of them is much more likely and the other one is much less likely and far-fetched. And in this case, I think it's the second option that you mentioned, the more likely option, uh, that it's going to simply... Uh, fill in the holes and elaborate on, on, on the storyline. And that is what I would prefer to see. I, I, Star Wars by itself is fantastical enough. You're suspending your imagination a lot when you watch it to believe in your mind, oh, this is, this is a world that's out there. So to me, I would prefer they go the traditional expected route and uh, flush out the story with option number two. And that, that I do think is what's likely to happen. Um, they haven't really... I'm trying to think in The Mandalorian, I guess you could say they've broken the mold on the way certain stories are presented. I'm thinking of the whole Boba Fett storyline in the most recent season. You're yes. getting, but that's really an elaboration on back to a certain degree backstory and flushing out existing characters. It's not something that dramatically alters in a major way a storyline, if I, yes. I think. Yeah. I think you're right. I, I think even if fans like I definitely didn't love the new trilogy, even if fans would like to see a new new trilogy, there's only so much you can do. You know, unfortunately, Carrie Fisher's passed away. Uh, Harrison Ford is by no means going to ever come back and do a Star Wars film of any kind. That's quite, True. quite, quite clear. Mark Hamill, though we might see him in things in the future again, he, he's getting older, too. The, 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 the damage is done to a degree. So I think now what you have to do as, as fans and what Lucasfilms is doing a great job of doing is putting creators in place like John Favreau and Dave Fioni right. who kn know what fans want to see, who know how to tell good stories, really, because Mandalorian, no fans expected that, but they told a great story. Right. And to really make fans uh, to warm up to the uh, sequel trilogy. We saw the same thing happen with the prequel trilogy after George Lucas made them. The reception was not positive. And then with shows like The Clone Wars, and other shows and, and books that came along in comics. Now fans have quite a positive view of the sequels, mm -hmm. of, of the prequels rather, in, in, with their bad writing and all at times. And now those movies are quite quite loved, really, when you look back. So I think I think you're exactly right, Scott, and I think that's probably the healthier move for, for Disney and Star Wars as a whole, is just kind of get fan, draw fans back in. I agree with that. So, Jack, I have a question for you. I, I really don't remember. If we go back a few years when... The Force Awakens came out. What was your reaction? I, I should remember, but I just don't. Did you like it at the time? What's your take on it? I think people liked it. I think 
uh, the only critique I remember hearing at the time was this is just like a very cut and dry Star Wars movie. Like they mm-hmm. kind of took the plot with new characters, but I think people liked it. I think the problems arose mainly with Last Jedi, just because it was so bold with what it was trying to do about right. how it framed Luke. You even hear Mark Hamill now repeatedly saying, this is a direct, I'm paraphrasing, but this is basically a direct quote from what Mark Hamill said at uh, Star Wars, I think it was D23 celebration, where he said, um, I hate everything you've done with Luke, but I'm going to play him the way you want, to Ryan Johnson, the director. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of fans agreed there. So I think The Force Awakens had a positive reception. It's just following obviously the last Jedi. And then when it came to, um, what was it? The last Skywalker rise of Skywalker, rise of Skywalker. Thank no, you. Was it yeah. rise of Skywalker? It, yeah. Um, I think so. Maybe it's, bad it's that amazing. We can't remember. I don't know if I should edit this out out of embarrassment or, uh, I think it might say something about the movies that we don't remember, but no, uh, but I think the story's right. got a little bit convoluted. It's the rise of Skywalker, rise of Skywalker. Okay. Right. Okay. So I'm going to leave that in for, we do this for a job. Yes. You know, this is, but yeah, I think the story just got a little bit convoluted along the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember you had a, I thought you had a pretty positive impression yes. from The Force Awakens. And, and that's why I asked you because I did have a positive reaction to Force Awakens. I remember loving it and raving. Oh, it was awesome. BB 8, Ray, Finn, it was so cool. And I went back very recently and I rewatched the last three movies Force Awakens, Last Jedi, and Rise of Skywalker. And when I watched The Force Awakens again, I liked it. I don't want to say I didn't like it, but it really is. If somebody sat you down and said, hey, I want you to make a Star Wars movie and it's got, you know, new characters and all that, but it really is cookie cutter, bam, 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 Star Wars, what we know and love. That's The Force Awakens. And I think now in the benefit with the benefit of hindsight, it's kind of the thing where, you know, if a new album comes out by musician you're a fan of you listen to it the first week and you love it and you're going crazy for it and then you revisit it five months later it's not necessarily as good even though you still like it it's the same concept so i i think as good as those movies are and i have a lot of fun watching them in retrospect you're able to see the flaws in a greater way and i personally have a greater respect now for the last jedi than i did when it came out i agree i I think it just when you compare like you said force awakens which didn't take many risks and The Last Jedi, which took so many risks. Mm-hmm. For fans, it was just like a lot to absorb. You kind of get a direction of where the series is going in one movie, and then this just throws you at a complete 180. And that s- s- tends to speak to how they kind of set up the sequel sequel or the yeah, sequel tr- sequel trilogies and how they probably could have done a better job just in terms of direction because there didn't seem to be a lot of direction, which is probably why J.J. Abrams had such a... Well, I think he did a good job, but why he had such a tough time making everything fit into the last one, though he... He did a val- he had a valiant effort, I must say. I, I enjoyed it more than the other two, but yes. Uh it's it's a tough task. It's a very tough task because you're not only dealing with complex storylines of multiple characters, but you're dealing with fan expectations. And you know when mm-hmm. you make the movie, right off the bat, there's gonna be tons of people that are going to hate what you've done and 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 be rooting not rooting against it, but be questioning things you've done. So it's a very thankless task as a filmmaker. And now I think when I look at all of the Star Wars movies that have come out from this uh, standalone, uh, from the you know original Skywalker trilogy, yeah. everything since, and then the I guess you call them spinoffs like Solo and you know Rogue One, standalone movies. Mm-hmm. For me, a movie which has grown in my mind is Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith. And I think when you look at that compared to some of the later ones like Force Awakens and even Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker. It, it's a solid movie. 
and it fixes some of the awkward dialogue that had existed in um, The Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. I completely agree. I think you're not alone. From what from people I've been speaking to, fans, they've now regarded Episode Three as one of their favorite Star Wars movies. Period, and they do do a better job of correcting some of the awkward dialogue from Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. But I must say, I rewatched it recently, Episode Three, and some of the lines. I think one in particular stood out to me. Padme says to Anakin, "Hold me, Annie, like you did by the lake, just out of nowhere." And right. I'm just like, okay, well, I could tell George Lucas wrote this, but just some of the lines, but it's still, I agree, a great movie. And when you think about the story in abstract, it really is such a compelling and strong story. And it's, I was talking to someone else who was describing why they love the movie. It's because, you know, the good guys don't win. You know, everything falls apart at the end of episode three, which is what makes it so, gives it such a strong gravity. Um, but let's move on. So we've talked yes. about how the movies have lasted, what the impact is moving forward. Moving to now shows like Mandalorian, shows like, Book of Boba or Book of Boba Fett um, that they they teased, which is going to come out next year, I believe. Uh, in addition to other shows they've talked about, Ahsoka show, uh, The Bad Batch, which is about a group of clones. You actually see them in the Clone Wars cartoon series. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scott, what are you most excited for and why? The Boba Fett series, without a doubt. Uh, because, first off, let me begin by answering your question by saying that I'm excited for everything i love the idea that we're now getting on disney plus all of this stuff and even not to get off track but wandavision last weekend to be able to sit down and watch a new marvel thing on disney plus it's so great um so that that is really great but in terms of the star wars content i thought the mandalorian season two was fantastic and i loved watching boba fett on screen Uh, His fighting skills were on display here in a much more intense way than they ever were shown in the films in which he appeared. The hand-to-hand combat scenes were quite amazing. And so when we had that, I guess it was a post-credit scene, right, at the end of the last episode, and you saw what happens there and the setup for the, the, the Boba Fett show, I'm just intrigued by seeing him in that type of setting and seeing him do stuff that we've never seen Boba Fett do before. And that for me is what draws me in. It's taking something I'm used to and comfortable with, but elevating it to the next level. I'll also add just another thing I really liked in this season of the Mandalorian was the Ahsoka Tana episode where she appeared. So I am intrigued to see her have her own standalone show. I think it'll be cool, but uh, Boba Fett for me. How, How about you, Jack? Uh, I'd agree. I think Boba Fett also seen what I expect is to see them put a lot of different bounty hunters with him because I assume he's going to be leading the underworld, as they call it. Right. That'll be really cool. And seeing how they do that with a live action version. Scott, have you seen uh, the Clone Wars cartoon series on Disney Plus? Not the whole thing, but many episodes. Okay. I'd highly recommend if you don't, because it is a lot to watch the whole thing. I recently did just because I felt after watching Mandalorian was really in a Disney, a Star Wars mood. Mm -hmm. But I highly recommend you at least watch, I think it's the last four or five episodes from the last season. It's interesting how they did them. They released them when Disney uh, plot, when Clone Wars came on to Disney Plus, they had kind of announced a new season. And it's interesting because they made it uh, at the same time to set at the same time as episode three. So you see a really amazing uh, perspective. You see Ahsoka during uh, Order 66. You see Rex. Uh, who is, for people who aren't familiar, who is uh, Anakin Skywalker's 
commanding uh, commanding clone general mm -hmm. and it's a really emotional last couple episodes so if people haven't seen it i highly recommend it and it's so cool because you know what's happening at the same time and they give you all these little allusions to what's happening at happening in the movie like at one point it picks up right after anakin's killed count dooku and you sure. see how obi-wan feels about it from a different point of view so i highly recommend people see it but i but to get back to your original question i agree boba fett with the underworld with new bounty hunters uh, in a live action format will be so amazing to see. And Scott, one other question I had for you is obviously all these shows coming on Disney plus, I'm very excited for them. My only question, we had this discussion about Marvel movies, maybe about a year or two ago. Now, do you ever get marveled out with star Wars? Now, do we ever get star Wars out with star Wars is, is one too many spinoff shows one too many, or what are your thoughts on that? I was going to ask you the same thing. So it's a very interesting question. My instinct is that I am okay with it because they're not all going to be out simultaneously. And I think what I'm seeing now in my Marvel experience is now that we're a little bit removed from it in the sense that there hasn't been a brand new movie for a while. Now, granted, part of that is due to the pandemic and things not being in theaters. But when I sat down to watch WandaVision, it felt great to revisit it after a little bit of a break. And I think with Star Wars, we're having a little bit of a Mandalorian. Other than that, it's really there hasn't been much recently. And by the time the next feature film comes out, which is not due until oh, December 22nd, 2023 is the tentative release date for the next Star Wars film. We're going to be looking for content. So my bigger concern with all the Star Wars stuff coming out is not that it's too much Star Wars, but that I personally am having issues in terms of the content out there in general, between all the shows I watch on Netflix and Disney Plus and Hulu and Amazon Prime, I just find there's only so much time in the day and night and I'm falling behind on stuff and almost debating to myself, do I stop watching this because I just don't have time? And that's the challenge, I think. So for somebody like me, and I know Jack, for you, we love this stuff. We're going to prioritize this stuff, but I wonder what we're going to be missing out on as a result of the amount of time we spent for this. And it's funny that neither you or I mentioned school or work is taking up too much of our time. It's all, there's so many shows to watch. <laughs> I hear you. It's certainly pretty much every streaming service is throwing as much content as it can at people right now, just trying mm -hmm. to frankly overwhelm them to get them to continue to buy their subscription. Yeah. Um, obviously a huge one was, but we see things shifting. Obviously Netflix lost The Office, which is by far the most viewed, most streamed show every year probably for the past decade and now that's that's on peacock so it's you know every streaming service is just throwing content at you trying to keep you engaged and disney's disney's no different but talking about new content being thrown out i do want to talk now a little bit about when it comes to disney and star wars uh video games so obviously jack before we who, do that and can i actually just ask you for your reaction on that I, I'm, I'm curious about whether or not you feel there's going to be burnout with the star wars stuff sure I think like what you said, timing's really important. I think if they time things appropriately, people won't feel too burned out by it. But if things do start coming out, you know, one after the other after the other, obviously fans are going to get a little bit tired. But at this point, I think it's fine. I think what's frankly a bigger issue for Disney is going to be just making the timeline cl clear for all their viewers. Because if you look at uh, where we just were with Mandalorian, you know, it's set during the original trilogy or at least not too not too long after because it's uh, now luke when he's training jedi 
but you know we just saw the sequel trilogy and then there's clone wars and then there's the bad batch coming out which is going to be a lot earlier during the clone wars which will be in the prequel trilogy so i think fans are just going to be confused as to what's happening i know even when i watched mandalorian I was even more shocked because I never expected Luke to be there because for some reason I didn't know when this timeline was. So when Luke was there, I was like, wait, what? when are we in the Star Wars universe? How is Luke alive even? So I think that's the bigger problem more more so than the uh, overconsumption or you know people getting tired out by it. Right. It's the overwhelmingness of it all and the questions it raises in your mind watching it basically is what you're saying. For sure. Got it. So Jack, I, I mean, you were talking about video games. You're beginning to get into that. Yes. So speaking of new content that's coming out, Disney Lucasfilms has recently made a huge announcement that if you are familiar with Star Wars video games, this, this is a big deal to you. So they've announced that uh, Ubisoft or Ubisoft, however you want to say it, is developing a massive open world Star Wars video game. Now, this is significant for a couple of reasons. On the one hand, because people who play video games pretty frequently know that these open world games it's about as immersive as you can get into any world because it's just so interactive. And for people who aren't familiar, open world just means that there's no set map or there are missions and things, but you can just kind of roam around and you it's it, everything's interactable and everything's playable. So it's, it's really, from a fan's perspective, people really love those games. But the interesting thing is it's being developed by Ubisoft and not EA. And so EA Electronic Arts, for people who aren't familiar, had the exclusive rights to Star Wars games for the longest time. So the fact that they're announcing that a new developer, who's very prestigious and makes a lot of great games, um, has rights to make a Star Wars game is pretty significant. A lot of people are excited for this, just in the sense that this will increase competition amongst the different gaming companies to really make the best game. Though that being said, EA really did a great job with uh, Fallen Order, uh, which was a Star Wars game that came out probably about a year now. Um, again, set a little bit after uh, Order 66. Um, they're actually been teasing some new content that's going to be coming out with that game as well. So I don't know if it's a, a little trailer, or a new game, a ver second version, whatever, but that's also coming out. But in terms of video games, uh, fans are very excited for this. I know I'm very excited for this because not only does this mean new developers, but this game should just be really, really cool. You play a lot of open world games. I haven't, right. but I that's just because the games I've played in the past have been pretty typical first-person shooters, etc. But I know, and also because open-world games that have been around, I just haven't been as into that game's lore, for example, or that whatever that story was. But if you are a fan of something and they announce an open-world game, it cannot be cooler because of how much, for example, I enjoy Star Wars. I think this game will be really exciting. And I think it also coincides with the announcement, although it's been delayed, of a Harry Potter open world game. Oh, I, I haven't I seen be, that at all. Is that... I thought there was one. I, I forget the name of it, but I thought oh, it was okay. announced for the Xbox Series X and uh, PS5. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, introducing Hogwarts Legacy, the first ever yes. open world role-playing game That's set in it. the Wizarding World. And let me see when it's... Yeah, it's set to launch 2021 for all platforms. Great. That's a good catch. That should, I didn't even see the trailers or anything. I'm pretty amazed. That yes, that. that'll be out at the same time or, or around the same time as the Star Wars open world games, which is cool. I like it because for me, as you know very well, Jack, I'm not the greatest video game player in the world, and I do struggle in a lot of the traditional strategy games. So to have a game where it is this open world style where you make of it what you make of it, and it's as intricate yeah. or not intricate, I like that as a change. And the ability to explore in a virtual Star Wars world 
in a virtual Hogwarts world for Harry Potter, I think is really yeah. exciting. And the graphics on the Harry Potter one look just insane. Fantastic. I'm checking out some pictures now. It does look very cool. Yeah. That'll be exciting. That'll be very exciting. So I'm looking forward to those games. And one of the things I enjoy doing with the Star Wars games, especially now that I got Game Pass for the Xbox, is going into the archives and replaying the old Battlefront games, the ones where even before I started playing with you, Jack, like the ones I played when I was even younger yeah. than that, they're fun to revisit. Uh, and they recently came up with, uh, what was the name of the game? I had it for PS4 before I sold it. but uh, Oh, uh, uh, Squadrons? Was it the yes, Squadrons Yes, Ro Rogue game? Squadron or something like that? Something like that. I can double check. Yeah. It's amazing how <laughs> there's so much Star Wars stuff we forget. Squadrons, Star Wars Squadrons. Just Squadrons, Star Wars Squadrons, yeah. yeah. Um, that was great. I played that in PSVR. So you put on the uh, VR headset. And it was kind of like being in a Disney World ride. You looked around 360. Everywhere you looked, there was the game. And it was really awesome. So uh, I think the virtual stuff is only going to get better. And even on Oculus, they have some type of Star Wars experience. So we got a lot of good content on the video game front. I'm very excited about what's coming out. I agree. I think moving forward, really the biggest criticism people had was with the story direction that the movies went in. And mm -hmm. now because of how loved The Mandalorian was and how many great spinoffs they've announced that really are going to fill a lot of the holes, I think Star Wars fans have a lot to be optimistic about, especially fans who didn't necessarily love the sequel trilogy. It might make it a lot more appealing to you and make a lot more sense to you. Agreed, 100%. Star Wars is making, obviously, a lot of new things, not only video games, movies, but they're also making some new additions to the parks. Obviously, we had Galaxy's Edge, which I've never been lucky enough to go to yet, but I know Scott has, so I'm anxious to hear his thoughts on that. And I've heard, they've also made some new announcements. So, Scott, why don't you take it away? So, for Galaxy's Edge, I've only been to the one in Walt Disney World. I was there a year ago. And... I mentioned this on a couple of other episodes, but it's worth repeating because a lot of our guests go so much to Disney. One of the things right off the bat I would encourage all of our listeners to do when they get to Galaxy's Edge is to make sure you spend some time there at night. It is a completely different experience in the evening, and it's really due to the lighting in the park. It's fantastic. And when you go beneath the Millennium Falcon and you take those pictures with the, the glow of the evening and the mountains set behind you, it's really just speech. It, it, it's uh, awe-inspiring. It's really fantastic. Uh, in terms of what they've done with Galaxy's Edge is they created this world of Batu. That's the planet where the story takes place. And there are two main attractions there. One of them is Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run, which is kind of like a Star Tours type attraction where you sit in the Millennium Falcon and you go on a little adventure and the audience actually participates by hitting buttons on the vehicle. The buttons do play a role in the outcome of the story. And so if someone is... It, for example, when I was on the attraction, someone was on their phone videoing the whole thing and missing the opportunity to press their buttons, and it did affect what happened. But it's uh, a really cool, unique experience. But it's, to me, the second best attraction in Galaxy's Edge because the number one there is Rise of uh, the Resistance. And Rise of the Resistance, of course, we know it's very difficult to get a boarding pass for that attraction. People go to Disney and they miss out on that. That's why I encourage people when they are planning their trips to look at it as a bonus. If you get it, you get it, and that's wonderful. If you don't get to go on it, you're not alone, and there will be future opportunities. But it is a complete and full 15-minute experience, is the way I would describe it, that involves riding in vehicles, walking through walkthrough attractions, um, a little bit of a thrill ride, but not crazy intense. So it's for the whole family. It's really something that everyone can do. Uh, and that's in addition to the dining options at Galaxy's Edge. They have Olga's Cantina for drinks. 
and um, various places to eat. And they have a shopping district as well. So all of that is really great. And I love go. I loved it when I was there and I can't wait to go back. The drawback in my mind to Galaxy's Edge is that they, for the most part, other than Ray and Chewbacca and Stormtroopers, because they created this new world of Batu, they didn't incorporate any of the other classic Star Wars characters. So there's no Han Solo, no Luke Skywalker, no Leia, um, characters like that. And because of that, I think for the most part, people go there and they want to experience all the Star Wars stuff they're used to. And I count myself in that group too. Creating Batu was cool and I'm into it, but I like the idea of going there and seeing Yoda, for example. So the latest rumor coming out related to Galaxy's Edge is that Disney is considering putting characters like Baby Yoda in the in the in that part of the park. And so it would lose some of the enclosed storyline of just a Batu storyline. And you'd have to let your imagination run even more wild with that. But to me, it's kind of the way it should be because nowadays, if we look at the popularity of Baby Yoda, the idea of not having him in the park to go see in Galaxy's Edge, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. And if they were to put in place a meet and greet uh, over at the other Star Wars locations they have at Disney's Hollywood Studios, for example, it wouldn't be the same, I don't think. It wouldn't do it justice. So uh, what is your thought, Jack? Would you prefer the enclosed storyline of just Batu, or do you like the idea of here's galaxy's edge we got everything you love when it comes to star wars and enjoy what's your take on that i'd certainly have to see it uh first in its current iteration to get it a, to have a better answer but i wouldn't have a problem with them incorporating a lot of different things especially because people are only gonna be there once so they might as well see or, or for the most part unless people are going you know back year on year basis people are only going to see uh, a lot of the characters once so i think it's just best to put everything there together and uh, i don't really think it can hurt it too much the only criticism i've heard of galaxy's edge is that there's like a lack of content not necessarily too much so i think it could only help it yeah and it's interesting because when i was there and i went to the marketplace i liked looking around i liked seeing the products that were sold but i remember thinking to myself is this it i wanted more for example you could go to Disney Springs and they have the Star Wars trading post. And in that store, there is so much more, at least it seemed this way to me, Star Wars merchandise to buy than there was in the entirety of Galaxy's Edge. And that's not right. That's just not the way it should be. Uh, there's more it probably in the gift shop to Star Tours than there is in the entirety of Galaxy's Edge. If, if it's not more, it comes close to being equal. So that's not, the, again, not the way it should be. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah, I do. I've actually been to that trade post at Disney Springs. If people are looking for Star Wars merchandise, that's the place to go. Because I yes. found I was looking to get a specific thing and it was there. It wasn't anywhere else in the park. So do you remember what it was? I think it was a uh, it was. Well, it's now considered Ray replica lightsaber. But at the time it was an Anakin replica lightsaber. Right. Right. They do have lightsabers there. I watched a great uh, video from December 2020 of someone shopping in the store and Huge lightsaber selection, along yeah, with the great. display pieces, which you put the lightsaber on yep. to display it. Yep, I have them all. It's great. That's great. That's great. Oh, one more thing I'll add, because it's speaking of lightsabers, it's important. Galaxy's Edge also has a lightsaber building experience, which isn't cheap. It's 200 bucks, but looks really awesome. I haven't done it. And they have the Droid Depot, where you can go. To me, it's mainly for little kids, but they can build droids. And that's really awesome. And Jack, one more thing I just wanted to add before we wrap up the Star Wars discussion is that 
in addition to the movies, TV, and theme park stuff and video game stuff, we can't leave out books. And I know that when Galaxy's Edge opened, there was a book that came out. I think it's called Black Spire. And I, from what I understand, it tells the story of Batu. And those that have read it, whose opinions I trust, they raved about the book. And they said that after reading it, it totally enhanced their Star Wars Galaxy Edge experiences. So uh, I've also heard, by the way, that the audiobook version of that is even better than the printed book or Kindle book, however you like to read the books nowadays. So uh, I would like, before I get back to Galaxy's Edge, to read that. Uh, and that, there's been other Star Wars books to come out since then. And that's a whole other thing that I personally never got into, even though I know there's a whole world of Star Wars books out there. I just never got into it. But I don't think we should dismiss that because for those that have the time, in addition to TV and movies and all that stuff, if you do read all those books, I think it completes your knowledge of the Star Wars universe. Yeah, I haven't had the chance to check them out yet. But from what I've heard, and that's the great thing about you know, acquiring Disney, acquiring Star Wars, they just keep pumping out so much content with the books and the comics that if you are really interested in there, there's, there's so much to explore. Absolutely. For sure. And I, I'm really excited where Star Wars is going to go. Talking about all this stuff, it just gets me, first of all, it makes me grateful for the content that's out there. It makes me want to revisit content and it gets me pumped up for the new stuff headed our way. Absolutely. This was great. Good discussion today on Star Wars, Jack. We are now going to talk about the very popular stuff we love segment which is basically the host picks something it can be a movie uh, it could be music it could be really anything for my stuff we love this week i'm going to be talking about the cleveland browns i have been a fan since they have been good no i've actually been a fan for a good amount of time now and they've finally really found their own stride and it's been really fun to watch them this year their court baker mayfield the quarterback miles garrett defensive end uh there's just so much to be that's very encouraging about the browns they had a very tough loss especially because i felt that win was frankly handed to them on a silver platter when pat mahomes got hurt hopefully obviously it'll be okay for this week and they just couldn't capitalize they lost to a 36 year old backup quarterback which is frustrating to say the least but there's a lot to look forward to for the coming seasons and uh, i've had I, football football this year has been really great, especially in the midst of all this COVID. It's just been so nice to relax and watch football on Sundays. But I feel like this season in particular has been really, really good. And so I'm uh, for my stuff we love this week, have to beat the Cleveland Browns. I totally get it, Jack. You've been a fan of the Browns for as long as I've known you. Uh, you're one of the only people that outside of Cleveland that could say that. And they really did have a spectacular season. They In the Chiefs game, I mean, Mahomes was in it. He didn't leave the game until uh, – was it mid-third quarter, something like that? He left with, yeah, eight minutes in the third quarter. And at, uh, the Chiefs made it seem like it was, uh, towards the beginning of the game, like it was going to be a uh, decisive win by them. But the Browns tight ended yeah. up. Uh, they had a bad call. Actually, I wouldn't even call it a bad call, but the, a, a botched play towards the end of the first half, which really hurt them. But they played the Chiefs well in Arrowhead Stadium. And uh, they're a deep, complete team. Uh, Mayfield looked confident, which is a huge confidence in the quarterback is a key thing. Yeah. And uh, Browns had tremendous success this year. So I approve of your stuff. We love, and I'm happy for you as a Browns. Glad to hear that. Absolutely. Thank you very much. And next season we'll see. And, and uh, I don't know if this episode will be out by the time the NFC and AFC championship games are played, but I agree with you. Football has been so much fun to watch. It's been just fantastic. Just great teams. I mean, other than the, maybe the NFC East, which I know hurts you personally as a sure. Giants fan, but right. other than the NFC East, the quality of football, like throughout the league has just been so good. I mean, yes. the AFC alone 
there are so many great teams that didn't make the playoffs that were really good football teams that in a lot meant most years would. So and now with the story is going in, we have Brady, Rogers, Mahomes, Josh Allen. Like it's gonna be some some good football this weekend. Very excited for it. And now we also have basketball and hockey back, which is great, and baseball not too far behind. So a lot of good sports content, which is a yeah. nice distraction in these troubled times. But uh, great stuff. We love recommendation, Jack Cleveland Browns. And for me, I wanted to recommend a product I'm enjoying. I'm not sure how you pronounce it. It's, a, it's either Loki or Lokai bracelets, L-O-K-A-I. And I'm on Zoom with Jack. I'm actually wearing one now. This is a Captain America one. I don't know if you could see it in there. That's the uh, Captain America logo on the bracelet. And Loki bracelets are, uh, some of them are just designed to be nice, different colors and so forth, but they also have themed bracelets. They have a Star Wars theme, Disney, Pixar, and NFL, NHL, Major League Baseball, and others as well. And it's interesting because each bracelet at the top of it is a white bead, and at the bottom is a black bead. And the idea behind it is that in the white bead, they say, and I believe them, that they have water taken from Mount Everest, and in the black bead, they say they have mud from the Dead Sea. And the idea behind it is when you're at your top, the white bead, uh, stay humble. And at the bottom, when you've reached a low point, stay hopeful. That's the idea behind it. And uh, at the end of the day, that those are good messages. But the truth is, I just like the theming. <laughs> so <laughs> I have a bunch of Disney. I, I picked up a bunch of Disney theme bracelets and have a hockey one as well. I just love them because you get to show what you're into. You show your fandom. And at the same time, it's not done in an over-the-top way. Uh, I discovered these because Peloton released their own line of loci bracelets, which are really cool. And some people wear one at a time, which is what I'm doing today. Some people wear multiple at one time. And uh, that's my recommendation. And another key thing I'll just mention about them, which is really cool. Every purchase of a bracelet, they donate a dollar to a good charitable cause. So they run, I don't know, anywhere from 18 to $25 per bracelet. And uh, they donate to charity as a result. So that's my recommendation this week, Jack. I've heard a lot about those. Oh, really? Actually, a lot of, yeah, a lot of, I know a lot of guys my age wear them. Oh, really? So they're, they're very popular, yes. I never so, heard of them until recently. That's very cool. You're one of the kids, Scott. I'm one of the kids. At 40 years old, I'm still one of the kids. I feel like one of the kids. <laughs> but they Talking are very popular. World, open world Star Wars games. <laughs> <laughs> but they are very popular and they are cool. They're really, they're really cool to wear. So that's a yeah. good recommendation. Thanks, Jack. Thank you. So, Jack, do you want me to take our audience to where they can find us online? Absolutely. Yeah. Very good. So you can find us at stuffwelovepodcast.podbean.com. You can find links to all of our prior episodes there. You can write to us, stuffwelovepodcast at gmail.com. We are on Twitter at stuffwelovepod and Instagram at stuffwelovepodcast. Uh, we have a Facebook page as well, along with the YouTube page where you can also catch up on prior episodes. And if you haven't done so already, please subscribe and leave us those good five-star reviews, which makes it easier for others to find the show. And uh, I guess, Jack, that takes us where we have to be on this episode. Absolutely. It's been uh, great to be back on the show, back talking about some really interesting topics. And I'm excited to see uh, what Disney does with Star Wars going forward. Me as well, Jack. This has been a lot of fun. And we'll go around the table one more time. I'm Scott. I'm Jack. And this has been the Stuff We Love podcast. <laughs>